0: chapter 36. While you're turning there, um, let me just encourage you. Last Sunday we challenged you and encouraged you about being rich in the Word of God. Um, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I trust that this week you exposed yourself more and more to the Word of God and that you'll continue in that. In our series that we're going through, Where Do You Go From Here?, we have looked at various um, aspects of events that affect the world that we're living in. And this week in our study, it, it comes to this aspect of Jerusalem. Now, if you were to give one evidence of God's existence what would you go to if you were if someone came up to you and said why do you believe in God what evidence would you give for that there are many good answers to that but I think probably one of the things that I would say would be the nation Israel. That it is a miracle that shows the evidence of God at work. There's no other explanation for the nation of Israel. This little postage stamp of a land, it's, it's 8,600 square miles. Just to give you an idea, Iowa is over 55,000 square miles. So if you were to, to divide Iowa up from north to south in seven different segments, it'd roughly be the side. One of those would roughly be the square mileage of Israel. It is at from the longest part south to north it is uh, 263 miles. The narrowest part of Israel is nine miles in width. So um, from here to Lucas is um, the narrowest part of it. And everybody surrounding Israel hates Israel and wants to destroy them. So how would you like it if... if you were living here and in Clark County they hated Lucas County and Wayne County and had missiles aimed at you and wanted to destroy you we're happy the bishops are here from Clark County and they're not out to destroy us today so um we're thankful for that but but the reality is this there is no explanation for this nation other than God. And and we don't have the time to go into that, but there was a time I will confess that that I really didn't didn't pay that much attention or even care that much about Israel or Jerusalem. I thought I'm just worried about me and my life and doing what's right and I don't really care that much about that. And um so we asked the question this morning, why should I care about Israel? Um, I, I'm going to ask you to turn to Genesis 12 because I'm not going to have time to read all that I wanted to in, in Ezekiel 36, but why should I care about Israel? And and this is a very, very pertinent issue today, not only Politically, and in the world um, realm of, of world events, but in Christianity today, there are many that are saying Israel doesn't matter, that it, God's done with Israel, it doesn't matter, and um, we need to move on from it. That is, that is heresy. It's an abomination, And it really says God is a liar. It says that God didn't fulfill His promises to Israel because at this state today, there are many promises God gave to Israel that have not been fulfilled. If Israel doesn't matter and it's history and it's gone, then God is not God because He did not fulfill his promises to Israel. But in Genesis chapter 12, the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So why should I care about Israel? Well, right here, God made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, Israel would be a source of blessing to all nations. He said, I am going to raise up from you, Abraham, a nation. And I will make your name great. And I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How have all the families of the earth been blessed through this nation that came from Abraham? The answer to that is Jesus Christ. From the nation Israel, from the seed of Abraham... The lineage that God designed and planned before the world was begun, He sent Jesus Christ, and it is through Jesus Christ that all the nations of the world have been blessed with forgiveness of sin only through Jesus Christ. There are many, many other ways that... um, the nation Israel has blessed the world. But specifically in John chapter 4 and verse 22, Jesus said that to the woman, He said, you know, some say to worship in Jerusalem and some say to worship at other places, but you will worship in spirit and in truth. And He specifically said salvation is of the Jews, meaning Jesus Christ came through this lineage and all the nations of the world have been blessed. Why should I care about Israel? Secondly, it shows me the heart and integrity of God. Turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And verse 7, and again, jot down these references, and I encourage you to go back and read the passages. We don't have time to go over all of those in depth in the passages. But in this, it is bringing out that God has chosen Israel, a special place that they have in His heart. Notice verse 6 of Deuteronomy 7. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage and from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he's using Moses to instruct the children of Israel. And he says, I don't want you getting puffed up with pride that you're special because... God chose you because He saw you special. He said, You were the least of the least. The reason God is doing this in your life is because He made a promise to Abraham, and He's fulfilling that promise. You have been disobedient, but for His name's sake, He has protected you, He has preserved you, He has led you, He has um, built around you a wall of protection from your enemies. And, and he says, this is an evidence of the heart of God. You have failed him over and over again, but God has not cast you off. He loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love. God's love and mercy endures forever. God chose Israel as his people over and over again. They rejected him. That's one of the frustrating parts about um, reading the Old Testament. I remember early in my life when I got serious about reading the Bible that I'd read about Israel and, and one day reading how they, they saw God do mighty, mighty works and then shortly after they, they rejected Him, went into rebellion, complained against God, and I can remember being frustrated in spirit and saying, man, don't you ever learn? And I was upset with Israel in reading about that. And then it was God's spirit prompted my heart and says, this is a picture of you. This is what you do. And it, it is very humbling. But it shows us the heart and nature of God as you read. In particular, the, the history of Israel is not... Just something God put in the Bible to fill the Bible to make it a a bigger book. This is to show us the heart and the integrity of God. And God gave an unconditional covenant to Abraham. And He promised that He would do this. It was not dependent on how Abraham responded or how the children of Israel responded. He promised that He would do it. And he is not finished with Israel. He is at work. He is a miracle working God. It shows us the, the, the miracles of God. We read about him. And, and if you grow up in, in, in Christianity, you're just familiar with the stories, you know, marched around Jericho and the walls came down. Well, yeah, we know that. That's a miracle of God. That, that the Red Sea is pushed back and they go through on dry ground and then, number one, they go through on dry ground immediately. That's a miracle too. And then that the waters come in and drowned all Pharaoh's army and the infidels say, well, that wasn't that great a miracle. That time of year, the Red Sea's only about six inches deep. That's even a greater miracle. That, Pharaoh's armies would all drown in six inches of water. That's an even greater miracle. But the reality is, all throughout Israel's history, miracle after miracle after miracle, it shows that we serve a powerful God, a miracle-working God, a covenant-keeping God, a God who is filled with love and mercy. See, this is Deuteronomy. People say the, the God of the Old Testament, like there's two separate gods, Old Testament and New. The God of the Old Testament is an angry God and filled with wrath. Well, you read there in Deuteronomy, he said, God chose you because of his love for you. And He kept His covenant with you because of His namesake, not for you. It, it shows us the heart and integrity of God. Thirdly, why should I care about Israel? It is the epicenter of all last day's events. In all prophecy, there is more prophecy about Israel and Jerusalem than any other thing. And if you want to have an idea of what's going on in the world today, you must see it from the perspective of the Bible and through the eyes of Israel. Everything is going to run through Israel. It is the focal point. All nations will rise against Israel. This is prophesied. Um, It's prophesied that Russia... Turkey and Iran will attack Israel and be destroyed by God. See, we get so um, so closed-minded in how we view things. But you start to step back and see things from the prophetic standpoint and everything centering around Israel. We look at history or the prophecy that I just mentioned that, Russia, Turkey, and Iran will all attack Israel. And we say, well, that, that's probably falling apart now. What's going on over there? Well, just to give you a, an indication, to see it from a little different perspective, much of Europe gets their gas and oil and natural gas from Russia and Ukraine. Okay. Israel in recent years has founded untold amounts of natural gas and oil. They are already in process dealing with European nations to provide them with oil because of sanctions now in place against Russia. So... If Israel steps in and starts providing gas and oil to Europe, cutting off all those funds to Russia, don't you think that will make Russia upset? And the Bible says God will put a hook in the jaws of those nations and lead them to attack Israel, and God alone will be the deliverer of Israel. America won't come to defend Israel. No other nation will come to defend Israel. God will miraculously bring the defeat of the Russian, Turkey, and Iranian forces that come upon Israel and will show his power in amazing ways. That's just one little example of how important this nation Israel is. Antichrist, well, let me back up. The Bible also tells us a third temple will be built in Israel. They have, they have everything in place to build it. It's just a matter of the time being right. They have all the instruments for sacrifices have already been made according to the commands in the Old Testament. Everything is there except the opportunity to build it. They will build the third temple. In the seven-year period of tribulation, Antichrist will make a compact, a peace with Israel. He will then go into the temple. He will desecrate the temple. He will mock it. He will defile it. And he will then proclaim, I am to be worshipped. All of this is yet to be. And then we know, skipping ahead, We know that the battle of Armageddon, in which all the nations of the earth gather to do battle against God, will take place in the valley of Megiddo. Napoleon came to the valley of Megiddo, and Napoleon looked at that valley and he he said, This is the perfect valley for the greatest battle of all time. Little did he know, it is the valley of the greatest battle of all times. And all of that is taking place in Israel, all of that. It is the epicenter. But ultimately, Christ will return to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 1, he said, the angel said, this same Jesus that you saw taken up from you, will so come in like manner and he will return to Jerusalem and he will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me just quickly go on. Number four in Psalm 122 and verse 6, we are to pray for the peace of Israel. Well, when will, when will there be peace in Israel? There will, there will only be true peace in Israel Israel when Jesus Christ reigns. And so, Psalm 122 verse 6, pray for the peace of Israel, peace of Jerusalem. In Matthew chapter 7, in the the Lord's Prayer, he commands us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praying for the peace of Israel and praying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done are one in the same. We cannot just turn a blind eye to this that God has a very special place for Jerusalem and for Israel. Number 5, God promises special blessing to those who bless Israel. We read that in Genesis 12 and he also says there's special curses to those that curse Israel. Many of the events that take place in our world can be directly related to how nations have treated Israel. I don't have the time to go into it, but some of the the great catastrophic events in America's history have been when we have turned our back on Israel. And that's, that's one of the dangerous things. In the world that we live in today in our nation has turned its back and turning even more so its back on Israel. Good things do not come to people that turn their back on God and God's chosen plan and purpose and God's promise in Genesis 12. So let me just quickly make some conclusions here. Number one, anything God is for, Satan adamantly opposes. There are, there are nations, and really Israel is surrounded by nations, that blatantly say, <clears throat> we want to push Israel into the sea and destroy them forever, and they want to destroy America. One is... The great Satan and one is Satan in their view. They they despise America because of the Judeo-Christian foundation and that throughout history we have been a friend of Israel. In 1948, when Israel became a nation, the miracle of that, they have been scattered throughout the world. Read, I didn't... Didn't go into it, Ezekiel 36. I challenge you to read that this afternoon. And they were scattered throughout all the peoples. They'd never lost their identity. They never lost their language. And they were brought back to a nation. And in 1948, President Truman was one of the first ones to declare Israel a nation. And the blessings of God accompany those things. But anything God is for, God is for Jerusalem, Satan seeks to destroy it. God is for Israel, Satan seeks to destroy it. You can go right down the line. God is for a marriage, a man and a woman, God see, Satan seeks to destroy it. God is for family, Satan, we can go on and on with that. Anything God is for, Satan adamantly opposes. Secondly, we understand God keeps his promises. There's a difference between a covenant and a contract. A covenant cannot be broken. And God keeps His promises to Abraham, to Israel. He keeps His promises to us. And He will fulfill every promise that He has given. To Israel, He will fulfill every one of them. He promised that, that He would reign and rule, and that day is coming. And He promised to us that, that seeing all the promises God has fulfilled and will fulfill with Israel, ought to build our faith and say, you know, God has promised He'll never leave me nor forsake me. God has promised that He forgives my sins As far as the east is from the west, God has promised that He began a good work in me. He will continue that until the day of Christ. If God keeps His promises to Israel, He will keep His promises to me. And He is the one that abides faithful, even in my unfaithfulness. Number three, Israel will never be completely destroyed. We hear talk of nuclear war, and I'm not here to say there won't be nuclear war. I I have no idea. I do know this, that for sure from this day forward, there will be at least another seven years on the face of the earth because God promised that there would be seven years of tribulation. And through that, God is using that as a time to pour out His wrath upon mankind and to bring Israel to belief. He is using it to that purposes. So let me, let me just spell out for you. Let's imagine all this, this is a timeline here. All of this time is before Christ. Right here, picture in your mind, this is when Christ came. And he rose again and he ascended to heaven. The next event that God says is going to happen, we'll just, we'll just illustrate it here, is, is the rapture of the church, the catching up of believers, okay? That's the next event that will happen. So Jesus Christ came, he was caught up, without getting into a lot of details, this is the church age, he, took the gospel to all the world. And the next event will be the catching up. We'll do it that way. So you know it's the catching up of the believers. Then there will be a period of seven years of tribulation. And as I said, God's purpose is to pour out His wrath upon mankind. From Revelation chapter 4, Pretty much to the end of it, it's describing this period. The believers are caught up with the Lord. He pours out His wrath, and He then is purifying and working in Israel to bring them to belief in God. At the end of that time, the battle of Armageddon, this will represent the battle of Armageddon, God will come. He will set up His kingdom, and for 1,000 years, He will reign on earth. That's where the lion lays down with the lamb. They beat their swords into plowshares. Everything will be peace and tranquility and wonderful in those days. And this is it. It is in the 1,000-year reign of Christ that God fulfills all the promises That were given to Israel. And then we don't have time after that. Don't worry about what's after the thousand years, okay? But we rejoice. God promised that between the coming of Him to catch believers away, there would be seven years of tribulation. God keeps His promises. He promised to us we'd be saved from the wrath to come. But man, it looks pretty it doesn't mean we'll be saved from all difficulties and trials and tests. There there are many people today suffering in the world today because they're believers, but we are saved from the wrath to come. And so we rejoice that God God keeps his promises and regardless of what comes, God promises his grace is sufficient. Fourthly, Christ will return to Jerusalem, and reign in Jerusalem, and just quickly, the fifth, the best is yet to come. We rejoice. The best for we as believers in Jesus Christ is yet to come. The best for Israel is yet to come. I remember when we were in Israel and our our tour guide, um, who didn't profess to be a believer, but he said, you know, people, you evangelicals, he said, say that Israel is, is the chosen, they are the chosen people. He said, man, and kind of joking, he said, if this is chosen, every nation on earth hurt, hates us. They want to drive us into the ocean. Wow, is this, is this chosen? And, and yet, the best is yet to come for them. Now... Understand, victory is guaranteed, and the best is yet to come to believers. Israel will not be saved just because they're Israel. Israelites are not automatically going to heaven. They are saved the same way you and I are saved. It is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus Christ do we have forgiveness of sins. And God will use the seven-year period of tribulation to cause them to realize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. By and large, overwhelming majority of Israelis are in unbelief. And God will work to bring many to salvation, and many will reject Him and be eternally separated from God. But we come back to realize, you know what, all that's going on in the world today, God is at work, God keeps His promises, God has a special plan and purpose for Israel, and I can rest in that and rejoice in it. And I need to be one that, number one, makes sure my sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ. And then I can rest in the fact that the best is yet to come. And to realize, you know what? God doesn't go crumple up plan A and throw it away and say, um, we better come up with plan B. He has designed this before the foundations of the world And He will be glorified. In Ezekiel chapter 36, it says there that He does this, that His name would be glorified. Everything God is going to do and everything God has done, He has done it to glorify His name and to show His wisdom, His power, His love, His mercy, and His forgiveness. And He will be glorified. He will be glorified through all nations, even every nation that mocks Him and and denies Him. He will be glorified through the United States, through Israel, through Russia. And He will be glorified through every human being. There is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The question is, have you confessed that? Is the best yet to come for you because you have trusted the God of Israel, which is the God of the entire world, and His only way of salvation through Jesus Christ. When we know Christ, we know the best is yet to come. Heavenly Father, I pray... That you would help us to see your infinite wisdom and infinite plan. And Lord, help us to rest in the fact of the many things that we don't know, that we do know. Everything you want us to know for life and godliness. So Lord, it is comforting to know that you are the God of all nations. And that you make even the devices of the wicked to praise you. And Lord, I thank you that through faith in Jesus Christ, we can know that the best is yet to come. Lord, help us to rest in your promises. Help us to be filled with a greater love and appreciation for your character, for your nature, for your person. And Lord, we rejoice that you are at work in our hearts and you promise that when you began a good work in us through faith in Jesus Christ, that you will perform that until the day of your resurrection, until the day of your reigning and ruling, until the end. Lord, thank you for the privilege we have to trust you. And may we trust you more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.